0: Luke chapter 10 I'm going to read verse 1 through 16. It says after this the Lord appointed uh, by the way that this is is talking about the cost of following him that just happened after this the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go he told them the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. It's like, don't overindulge. Don't, don't get your wages at every location. Just this one. When you enter a town uh, and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and you're not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near you. I tell you, It'll be more bearable on that day for Sodom than it is for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago, uh, sitting in sackcloth and in ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, no you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Um, three things I want to share with you this morning uh, in the text that I think are really important. And there's a ton of stuff here, guys. I'll just be honest. We could have just stayed in this passage this month, but we're going to Try to work through the gospel of Luke. So uh, three things I want to share with you. And here's the first. I want you to see this morning that according to this text, there's a massive amount of people that need to hear the message of Jesus. There is a massive amount of people that need to hear the message of Jesus. Jesus. Now, I want you to see why these 72 are being sent out. Don't miss it. There's a lot of text there, but I want you to see why they're being sent out. It's in verse 9 and then in verse 11. Verse 9, uh, it says, uh, Jesus speaking to them, heal the sick who are there and tell them, this is the message, right? Okay, this is why they're being sent out. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. The kingdom of God has come near you. So if they're receptive, this is what you tell them. And and then he says, now, if they don't listen, look at this in verse 11. Uh, He says, if they don't listen, you tell them this. Even the dust of your town we wipe off our feet. uh, That's a a warning to you. But be sure of this. They still have to speak the message. The kingdom of God has come near. So, so, So repeated twice, that means it's important. Jesus tells his disciples, here is the message you are to carry through to, to all the people, right? This is the thing you're supposed to go tell them. The kingdom of God is near. It, it is at, at hand. It, it, it is upon us, okay? That's the words that, that it means. The, the kingdom of God is, is near, and this is what we're, we're to carry, uh, the message we're to carry. And then also important is, is who we're to carry it to. In fact, I would tell you this is key to understanding the whole passage, right? We're to carry that message to the masses, To the masses. What do you mean by masses, Pastor? Well, I mean verse 2, right? Jesus says this He says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, that word plentiful in the Greek is actually two words. It's actually two words, it's not one. It's two words, and it means indeed great. The harvest is indeed great, or, or truly many. Uh, okay, it's massive, is what Jesus is saying. That's our understanding. Uh, and for us to, to get what this passage is about, we have to understand its, its size is of great importance. The size of this harvest, okay? Because the size of the harvest dictates two things, ready? Number one, it dictates the fact that we need to pray. We need to pray. In fact, in fact Jesus, you notice, he actually tells them to pray before he tells them to go. He says, I'm going to send you guys out. I'm sending out 72, but the work is much more than what 72 alone are going to be able to accomplish. So the very first thing you need to do is pray for more workers to go out because the harvest is that big. It's that big. You need to start praying, okay? There should be some conviction there for us, right? So one, start praying. So two, though, the size of the harvest dictates how we are to respond to those that would reject the message that we carry, the size of the harvest actually dictates how we're supposed to respond to those that reject the message uh, that we carry, which kind of leads to our, our second point, ready? Because the, mass, the, the, because the harvest is so massive, uh, because there are so many people that need to hear the message of Jesus, we cannot focus on the few that reject the message, okay? Instead, we, we've got to move on to the masses who are ready to receive it, Okay? We, we, we can't focus just on the few that reject it. We, we've got to move on to those that are ready to receive it. And so the 72 are told to go and they are told to share the message of the kingdom. But as they go, Jesus reminds them of the magnitude of their mission, right? And, and, and that magnitude, he, he, he provides them with some detailed instruction on what to do if, if the people they encounter refuse to listen. He says the harvest is plentiful. It is indeed great. It is massive. There are truly many that will receive the message. But listen, there are also many that will not. Many that will not. It's a big field. Huge field. Many will receive, but many will not. So what are the disciples to do when people don't want to listen? Ready? They are to speak the message. And move on. They're not free of the responsibility of speaking the message. They still have to speak the message. But then they are to move on. According to Jesus, they're going to move on. I want you to get this. They they, they are to continue with their mission. Because the mission is is massive. There are so many people, the harvest is so great, that they're going to be forced to move on. And let's be honest, this is a hard teaching, isn't it? It's a tough thought, isn't it? Because when I say move on, you immediately have thoughts in your head about people you know that don't know Christ. People that you've been praying for. People that you've been investing your time in. I tell you to move on and you feel like you're just, you're leaving them. Like like you're casting them into the very pits of hell. But you know what? That's not accurate. I'm going to tell you this morning, that's actually a lie from the devil. So let me, let me tell you what this text is not saying. This text is not saying that no one from any of these cities was ever saved. That's not what the text is saying. Jesus is speaking in generalizations about Capernaum, about some other places, that he performed miracles, and the majority of the people didn't care. But some of them did. So, so, so in that sense, I'm going to say to you, this text is not saying that if you move on from that person that you've been so myopically focused on, It's not saying that that person will never receive Christ. Instead, what it's saying is maybe they're just not ready. And what it's saying is there is a mission that is so great that you are going to have to decide how to spend your time because it is a precious resource. It is saying that your time is limited and that the mission is much bigger than than just one person. I want to share some statistics with you this morning. Uh, If you want to jot them down, that's fine. You can jot them down on the back of your notes or whatever. Did you know that currently there are approximately 4.7 billion people without Christ? With a B. Billion. In our world today, there are 4.7 billion people that do not know Jesus Christ. Many of those have not heard the name of Jesus Christ. Currently in our world, there are still, like blows me away, there are still 6,500 unreached people groups in our world still. Unreached people group means less than 2% of their population are Christian. Okay, now th- this isn't a slide, so I'll just tell you, 42% of our world's population lives amongst these 6,500 unreached people groups. 42% of the world's population lives amongst those people that we have not yet reached with the gospel. That's scary. That's scary. So let's, let's focus a little bit here. Because I talk about the world and the globe, and some of you are like, I can't do anything for people on the other side of the planet, Okay. Well, you can but we'll talk about that later but 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 he, what, what about people here in our nation okay well well, in America, you know I mean we 're a Christian nation by golly, I mean we 're founded on christian principles right i mean it's election time we 're going to remind ourselves of that uh, actually in America, uh, even though eighty three percent of Americans claim to be Christian, the number of unchurched people in America would actually make the eighth most populous nation in the world so though Americans claim to be Christian the truth is most of them don't go to church at all what they mean is they went to church at one point in time in their life they no longer darken the doors of a church the eighth most populous nation in the world here in our midst let's focus a little closer in in let's just talk about Elgin Texas right this is our 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 mission field we always say it begins here uh, you can trust this uh, survey about as much as you can trust all the other statistics you read, but I went ahead and called this week all of the major churches in Elgin and asked for average attendance numbers, including uh, the Catholic Church. Based on average attendance numbers and population statistics of our city, uh, I, I, would, I said nearly, I would actually say probably more, uh, but half of our city is unchurched. Half of our city. Half. Right? And, and, and so so here, here's the deal. I have often ask on Sunday morning, you know, hey, how many people invited somebody to church today? We'll have four or five people that raise their hand. And that's great. And, and you need to know that's kind of who I am. I, I think that needs to be part of our DNA as a church body that we need to have a spirit of invitation. You guys, as you go out in the community, that, that you should be so excited about what God is doing in this place that you can't help but just talk and go, hey, do you have a church home? You want to come join us? You want to come worship with us? I mean, that's our prayer for you is that Sunday is so powerful in your life that you leave here and you just you can't shut up about it. That's the goal, right? We, we should have a spirit of invitation here. And I say that because, listen, I, I believe wholeheartedly uh, that in Scripture, not everybody can be a Paul. You know what I'm saying? That dude was really killing it. I mean, he was like this great theologian. And we've got a couple of those in our midst. I'm not one of them, but, but there are some people here, great theologians. They're like little Pauls. And, and, and then we've got Peters. That's more my guy. Just jump out of the boat and then, you know, and then start to drown. Um, and, uh, and so we've we got some Peters, but some of you are like, I can't be that courageous, and that's fine. But then there's this dude that's a disciple, and his name is Andrew. And, and, and my point, my teaching point has always been, we can all be Andrew, right? Because Andrew did one thing well, he brought people to Jesus, that's it. And he didn't even know what Jesus could do with him. Like, so, so Jesus actually calls Andrew first, and then the scriptures say, Andrew goes and gets his brother Peter, who I imagine is pretty messed up, right? I mean, because you know Peter. He's just like, all right, Lord, if you're really the Messiah, good luck with this guy. There's my brother. I don't know what you're going to do with him. There you go. That's called giving somebody over to the Lord right there. Whatever right? Peter, first great preacher of the church, okay? When, when, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, which again was just a count of men, it didn't include all the women and children that are there, um, it is Andrew that goes and finds the little boy, you know? Jesus is like, well, you feed him. So Andrew's like, okay. And he goes out in the crowd and all he, he finds a little kid with a sack lunch, right? Now, I, I don't know that Andrew had faith. I don't know if he, I mean, it was just his, he always brought people in the presence of Jesus. So he's like, here, Jesus, there's a boy, five loaves and two fish, whatever you want to do. I don't know what you can do with him, but he's still, he was always bringing people into the presence of Jesus. And I said, you know, listen, we, we can all do that, right? That should be the one thing that all Christians should be able to do is just bring people into the presence of Jesus and let God take care of the rest. It's that easy, right? And so I've taught this my entire uh, time in ministry, 16 plus years. I've always taught this principle. And uh, when I was a youth pastor, I, I would meet with my youth leadership team before service. We would pray. Uh, these, were, these weren't adults. These were high school, uh, middle school kids. And we would always pray. And so because this was our deal, if you were on my leadership team, we kind of had some agreements. And one of those agreements that every, every week, if you're on leadership, one that was that you were going to invite people to church every single week. And so I would ask them every single week, did you invite somebody to church? And they would all say Yes. And, and we saw the Lord really increase our numbers, uh, really, every place we were. Just saw it kind of jump off the charts. But then we would kind of hit a plateau. And so I'd start asking, okay, so, you know, I had to move the question up because we weren't getting any new people. So I said, okay, well, wait, wait, did you ask somebody? Yeah, we all invited somebody to church. Okay, how many people did you invite to church? And this one would say one, and this one would say two, and that one would say one, and that one would say two, and that one would say one, and that one. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And so that ran for a few months, and still nothing was changing. And so finally I said, okay, okay, so did you invite anybody to church? Yes, I invited somebody to church. How many people did you invite? Okay, and then I would ask them, what's the name of the people you invited? You know what? By the third week, I realized that all of those kids were just inviting the same friend over and 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 over again. And I don't think it was out of a bad place. I think they genuinely had a heart for their friend, and they wanted their friend to get saved. But hear me, you know what they missed? Was the fact that there were 400 other kids in their class. Right? Listen to me. I love you. Because I think we have the same problem here. I think a lot of times we pray and we ask, you know, God, who could I invite? And we, maybe a neighbor is heavy on our heart and we're trying to figure out a way to and, and get into a conversation that we might invite them. And, and, that, and that's great. But listen, the mission is so large that we're going to have to break out of our myopic vision of, of the one or two people. We have to. Now, now, now listen to what I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you that we leave the one behind for sake of the 99, because that would be the opposite of what Jesus said, okay? So I'm not saying that you don't share. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying you share with them, and you lift your head and look around, because the fields are ripe, because the fields are full. What I'm saying, I believe that the gospel And the mission of the gospel demands that we lift our eyes up, that we not just focus on a few, but that we go out and take that message to the masses. Do you understand? Okay, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. But I have some good news for you as you go. This is maybe my favorite part of the sermon. Okay, number three, I want you to understand this. Since only God can save, we are released from the results of who receives our message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm not a lip reader, but it looked like that was a hallelujah or an amen or something. I mean, since, since only God can save, we're released from the result of who receives our message. And I want you to see this. This is verse 16. It says, He who listens to you listens to me, but he who rejects you, uh, it, it, he, who rejects, um, he who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So hear, hear this. Our responsibility is to carry the message of Jesus, the message of the kingdom to the people. That's our responsibility. And that's it. That is, that is your sole responsibility, just to carry the message of the kingdom to the people. Like, like hey, the kingdom is near. The kingdom of God is coming. Like Jesus is coming back, right? So, so remember, Jesus came and he inaugurated, he, he began this whole kingdom of God. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting. When is the kingdom of God going to come? When is it going to come amongst us? And Jesus is like, I am that kingdom, I'm here now, okay? We know Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all people who would believe, okay? So that they could be born into this kingdom of God. Because you cannot enter the kingdom of God in the flesh, He says, John chapter 3, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You've got to be born of the Spirit. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a physical kingdom. They were looking for a political conqueror, conqueror, much like we are today. And it's not a physical kingdom. Not yet. It will be. When Jesus comes back. It is a spiritual kingdom, and when Jesus comes back, it will be a spiritual kingdom that reigns over everything physical. Okay? He's going to make everything new. Our thought of heaven, it's not going to be up in the clouds. Jesus is going to restore the earth. It will be perfect. And and, and we, the children of God, will reign over that place with God. God will be our God. We will be his people. Everything will be set right. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. That's the message. And, And God has prepared a way for us to be a part of that. If you've ever walked through the world and just thought, man, this place is jacked up, right? You're right, it is, <laughs> completely. <laughs> Ever since sin entered the world, the earth, even, even the earth itself, it's just messed up, right? But Jesus, behold, is coming to make whole things new, okay? So that's the message, and get this, that's our only responsibility. It is not our responsibility to make people receive that message. <sighs> oh, that is nice, right? That is, that is so refreshing. It's not, another way to say that, it's not my job to save anybody, Wow, did you know that? That's huge, isn't it? It's not my job to save anybody. It's just my job to speak to them. Our job is just to share with them the fact that there is a Savior, that Jesus has come, that the kingdom is here, and it's being brought about to completion, that he's coming back, okay? So the results, the response of people to that message is not our responsibility. That responsibility lies with Jesus and Jesus alone, okay? If they listen to us, they've listened to him. If they reject us, it's not us they're rejecting. They're rejecting him, and I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly freeing. So let me let me put flesh on this for you. Uh, we experienced this the very first time we went to Laredo, Texas to share the gospel, and we were doing door-to-door evangelism, which makes most Christians extremely uncomfortable, because we had never met these people. Uh, the cool thing, we had a big park outreach uh, that we were going to do a drama at, and so we got to go, hey, we're inviting you to this thing. That was our, our intro, but then when we started talking to them, we would ask questions and things, and so um, it was the first time our, our church had been on a mission trip in a really long time. I believe it was like 30 plus years, okay, and uh, and so i uh, a lot of people, and, and it was awesome. And I remember um, one of the people that uh, came with us, my good friend caleb and uh, and, and they they 've moved now, and uh, they 're in Victoria, but Caleb, just awesome guys on fire for the lord and uh, and and when we started out, uh, we would go to a neighborhood and we'd start to talk, and we'd go out in groups. And we're in groups of three or four. And uh, I just remember how disappointed people were. Nobody will answer the door for me. Nobody will do this. And people were so so. It was like it was like this disappointing side. Like I'm a failure. I stink at this. Uh, was 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 what I was getting from a bunch of people. And then I remember the very first time that somebody shared Christ with somebody, and they received, and they were like overjoyed. Yeah, and they came back screaming and shouting and dancing. They're like, man, we just saved somebody. I was like, no. I'm not trying to rain on your parade, but no, you didn't. What you did is you shared the message faithfully, and God saved that person. And just as the person that slammed the door in your face is not your responsibility, neither is the person that actually accepts. Do you understand? Because our job is to speak the message. It is God's job. It is God's job to save people. That's freeing. That's freeing. That's freeing. So what do we do when we when we start to understand the task of messengers? We start to understand the mission that's really there. And I'll give you a couple of things and I'll be quiet. Number one, I think we pray. Right? I think we pray. If we understand how big the harvest really is, four point seven billion with a B. Billion. Those are it's just the people that don't know Christ. Four point seven billion. Of those four point seven billion. I believe many, according to this, this text, are going to receive Christ because the harvest is plentiful, right? It's not meager, it's not minimal, it's, it's very exceedingly great. It's going to be a great harvest. I believe of those 4.7 billion that many of those people are going to receive Christ. But you know what we need to do before we ever go? We need to pray because let's be honest, there's not enough workers willing to go and share the message, is there? We need to pray. So we start there. Pray for more workers before we ever leave. This needs to be part of, of, of what we do here on a regular basis. It's one of those things that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to commit myself for, on your behalf. But, but if you would join me in that prayer. We need more workers here. First Baptist. We need more workers here in the city of Elgin. 5,000 people in our city unchurched. What are we doing? I'll tell you. We're talking about politics and who's going to win in November. It's what we're doing. Right? We're arguing whether or not we, we support black people or we support police. Remember, you don't have to have a side. You can love all human life. Right? What are we doing? We need to pray for more workers. That's what we need to focus on. And I know it's hard, man. This world... It, it, let the, it, let, can we be honest? We, we know there's a, a great unseen spiritual attack, right? You guys know that, right? Everybody knows that? That, that, that our, our, our enemy is not flesh and blood, right? But spirits and, and principalities of this dark world. There's a great spiritual attack. And one of the things that the enemy wants to do is to take your eyes off of what you're supposed to be doing, right? And to put them on everything else. Like, like, like hey, 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 don't worry about the kingdom of God. Worry about the nation of America. Don't worry about the kingdom of God. Worry worry about the Supreme Court. Don't worry about the kingdom of God. Worry worry about, you know, this or that. And and, and guys, hear me. Listen to me. It's not that the other things aren't important. But look around. What message do you hear the church crying out right now? Do you hear them crying out anything? Most Christians I know, instead, are caught up in all the stuff of the world. Because it, it grabs for their attention. It calls for their their commitment. I think we're supposed to be committed to one thing, right? One thing. This thing. This thing. This mission. Why? Because we love God. Because we love people. And we know that this is what will change their lives. This is what they need. This is what they have to have. This. Okay? So, So pray for more workers too. Uh, go to the masses. Go to the masses. So this is the most loving way I can put it. I love you. Remember, you're not responsible for that one person you keep asking and asking and asking. Okay, I'm not telling you when you see them not to ask them. I'm I'm, I'm telling you it's time to move on from just them. You've got to lift your head and you've got to look around. Specifically, I'm just talking about Elgin right now. 5,000 people. I'm pretty sure every day in Elgin you can find somebody that doesn't have a church home. Pretty sure. Lift your head. Lift your head. Look to the fields. They are full. Even here in the Bible Belt, the fields are full. Just lift your heads, okay? We've got to go to the masses. We've got to start getting uncomfortable. And remember, invitation, that's step one. That's the easiest part. Hey, you go to church anywhere? Nope. Well, you should join me at First Baptist. Boom. Like You're like, but I don't know that person. That's e- that even makes it easier, doesn't it? Be like, you don't ever have to see them again. It's not like they're on your t-ball team. You got to see them every week. You know? Say, hey, what are you doing? You got anything going on on Sunday? Okay? Three. Because we're free of the responsibility, because we're free of the results, right? Our only responsibility is to share. We're not responsible for whether or not they receive this is, all, this is huge. So share without fear. Without fear. What do, you, what do we have to be afraid of? Rejection? Come on. You're better than that. You're grown adults, the majority of you in this service. You know what? You've been rejected before. It made you a better person. Right? Right? It's a huge, I remember I had a, had a job in college while I was trying to finish out. I was taking 20 hours. I was actually at three different campuses because I, I found this woman I wanted to marry. And I was like, yes, I'm going to marry you. And I had to finish up because I wasn't exactly a great steward of my time early on in college. We don't have to get into all that. But um, so I was trying, we had set a date for a wedding. And I, I had to take uh, 38 hours of college courses in order to make that date happen in two semesters, okay? So, that's a lot. Uh, So, 20 hours, three different campuses, and I was working an internship, and so my internship, my whole job, it was for a financial planner, and I had to call. Uh, He got these leads. They were the most, they were not leads. They were terrible. Uh, Anybody that had a retirement account that lived within uh, like 50 miles of us, he got got their name, and most of them were inactive, and my goal was to try to call them and act like We had a relationship with him and to set up an appointment so he could sit down with him. It was terrible. (laughs) And I had, I had, I had monthly goals. I had to set so many meetings and then I would get a bonus and I was poor. So I worked real hard. Right. Do you want to know how many people hung up on me, called me names, told me to call him names? Um, I mean, it was, it was, that was like my life through college, right? Woo. But you know what? Here's the deal. I did it. Do you know why? Because I didn't know them. I didn't know them. This is what I honestly believe. They they had some kind of desire to retire at some point in their life. They had zero guidance, and it would probably be better if they sat down with this guy and at least talked to him one time. So I called them and said, hey, I think this would be better for you. At least talk to him. And if if you don't like him, then just go about it your own way. But at least call. I mean, what what could it hurt you? It's going to take you one hour out of your whole life. What if it changes your future, right? That's a pretty easy call to make. It's a pretty easy call to make. And you know what? When they, they hung up on me or they called me names, oh, I that's so well, because I didn't know them. You can't hurt me. Guys, it's our responsibility to carry the message. But it's not our responsibility uh, to, to care for the results. Like the results aren't upon us. Those are upon Jesus. That gives me great courage to just go and invite, to just go and to share. And I don't have anything to be afraid of, okay? Nothing to be afraid of. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, um, this is your word, and these are your instructions to your people, those people called by your name. Um, And it's a great privilege, but Lord, it's also a, a huge responsibility. Father, I would submit that many of us, because we have not understood Um, Exactly what our responsibility is that our responsibility is just to be a messenger that we're not responsible for the results I think that we have just i've been living in fear. I think uh, we've been worried I I I I don't know but god I I pray this morning, but the the truth of your word would just break through that I pray that the freedom of your word that it brings to us this morning Would just invigorate some hearts and some souls to go and to start sharing to start talking to start inviting God please please Lord, some of us here have been so focused on one or two individuals that we have forsaken the fact that there is a massive harvest. There's a massive amount of people that need to hear the message. God, lift our heads. Lift our heads this morning. Help us see them. Help us see them, Lord. Some of us have been proclaiming the wrong message. Again, God, sweetly, lovingly convict our hearts. There's only one message that changes the lives of folks. Let us carry that message. Not anything else. Please, Lord Jesus. Your name, I ask these things. Amen.